Claire Barber and Olivia Bellick is with us. Wolf Watchers is the short film uh, played at the Documentary Film Festival. It's a Colorado College uh, short film, correct? Yeah, the film was made thanks to a grant from Colorado College um, called the uh, Documentary Exploration Grant. Okay, so it's, it's called Wolf Watchers. It's a film about wolf watchers in Yellowstone National Park. You guys are on the East Coast of where we're talking, so... I'm just curious, what brought you to this, to the, to doing this film, going to, to, I don't know, like a long ways from home, I guess, from uh, into, into uh, Yellowstone National Park, which is, I guess it's in Wyoming and, and uh, Montana, correct? Yeah, a teeny bit of Idaho too. Teeny bit of Idaho. So what, what, what first motivated you guys to, uh, what inspired you to do this film and what, and what, how did it all come together for you? Kind of a loaded question. I think it's a little, it's kind of different reasons for both of us. And that's why we make such a good team. So for me, I've been interested in wolf politics and wolves themselves since I was about 10, which is when I just started learning about them for fun. And then when you learn about wolves, you very quickly learn just how like polarizing of an issue it is, yeah. especially in the West. Um, so I started going out there in the winter because it started because I just really wanted to see wolves. I started going out there with my dad to just kind of look at them. It's the best time to see them. And that's how we were kind of introduced to the wolf watcher community. Um, and we still have like lifelong family friends from that. So that's how the topic became, you know, like manifested for me. Yeah, and Olivia and I met, um, our freshman year at an introductory kind of film course. And then we took a documentary class um, our sophomore year together. Um, and she approached me um, later um, down the road in school with um, the Wolf Watchers idea. And I'm an environmental studies major and journalism minor. So um, I'm very invested and very interested in how people interact with the environment and what that looks like, especially out West. Um, so I kind of came in with that journalism angle and that lens and um, kind of that academic angle. Um, and Olivia definitely came in with that passion and that background, having gone as um, a kid with her parents and having met the gotcha. Wolf Watchers. So did you, Olivia, did you know Rick McIntyre kind of is your narrator in the film? Did you know him before the filming? I did. He did not remember me. That was a, <laughs> a fun, a fun thing because he meets so many people every day. When Claire and I, we when we first met him, we kind of had to meet him like four times before we kind of like stuck in his memory. Okay. <laughs> um, he's an important man. He can't remember everybody who comes up to him. Well, yeah, he's an important man for your film as well. So curious about like, what was your kind of uh, story structure when, before you started out filming? Did you kind of have like a, a loose space script? Did you think like it's going to be around 15, 20 minutes? Like what was your kind of game plan before you started shooting? Yeah, I mean, um, we definitely had an idea of length. So we knew we wanted to be 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as the characters and anything like that, we definitely knew we wanted to contact Rick and had contacted Rick in advance and had contacted um, a couple other guides and people in the region. But um, it was really scary when we first got to uh, the park and to the region because I mean, I think it was our first day. We just had our, we didn't have our cameras. We were just there to meet people. And we just approached people with scopes. And that's how we started. And we're like, hey, are you wolf watchers? Because um, kind of, if, 
you know, Olivia hadn't been there for a bit too. So um, the community had changed a little bit, correct me if I'm wrong, Olivia, but so like we kind of had to make those connections on the fly um, as far as like planning things out went. Was it just YouTube shooting? Like, did you guys have your own cameras? Like, how did you guys go about shooting it? It was a mix of like our own cameras and our own equipment. And then also our college has, you know, a gear house for us to kind of take equipment from. So we were very lucky that no one else was really filming in January because Mm -hmm. it was a break time. So we kind of had uh, our pick of whatever we wanted. Um, And we were, we just, we, I think we maybe came with too much equipment because there were things we didn't even end up using. Yeah, well, that's it. Always works out. So, how cold was it in January uh, in Montana? I think the coldest <laughs> it got was in like like negative one, negative two, right, Claire? Like, yeah, I think it did get down in like negative five. But then also yeah. everyone was like, "Oh, this is warm. Like, this is yeah. warm for the then." Um, which isn't also you know great environmentally. It shouldn't be that warm, even though that is cold but yeah it wasn't pleasant being up in they seem like well they're like so these wolf watchers it's like they're out there all the time this is their their thing and so i guess that like you're just talking about you're shooting them so was it was any of them uncomfortable you shooting them or anybody kind of like like put the camera away from me was it or is everybody kind of cool what you're doing everyone was pretty cool we never had someone who specifically was like don't film me I don't want to be on camera there were a few people where we just weren't able to get releases to show them so we tried to you know kind of keep them out of frame as much as possible but everyone is incredibly welcoming I think that's what's so beautiful about the wolf watchers is that they do want to show people about the wolves what we did find out though is that they there's an an initial hesitancy to be interviewed and to be filmed because you have this you have people coming into the community and trying to kind of manipulate what people say for the anti-wolf agenda we heard a lot of stories about that what's the anti-wolf agenda (laughs) um claire do you want to or yeah well i guess what olivia means by that is just kind of um people i know like people who are pro hunting are on that side um and i would say um yeah, that's kind of anecdotally what people did tell us yeah. um, was happening or had happened in the past. And um, I guess people writing not factual pieces about what they saw or taking interviews and splicing them in the ways that weren't yeah. accurate. Oh, they're like propaganda, kind of propagandizing their agenda, I guess, right? Yeah, we kept hearing about this one person in particular who was coming to write an article and told the community that it was going to be about wolf conservation and then it ended up being this like pro hunting pro rancher piece and they kind of distorted the words of some of the people who were interviewed but once we kind of spent a few days with them and we're asking I guess the, the right questions and we're kind of proving that we cared about the wolves as much as they did they really opened up and were incredibly welcoming and we're like telling us where to go, telling us, like helping us find parking spots. They were just really, really, really open. Yeah. And I would like to add too, as far as like the ranching um, component and the hunting component goes, um, those were, and, and getting interviews, those were voices that we weren't able to like reach. We did try to interview folks Mm -hmm. who um, ran hunting outfitters in the community 
Um, and unfortunately, COVID and other things prohibited us from interviewing some ranchers we had reached out to. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if we expand this film, I think that's a really important perspective to talk about and to include um, because those perspectives like ultimately weren't um, included, like we didn't get to interview them. And I yeah. think like the Wolf Watchers we did interview were pretty good at weighing both sides the, mm -hmm. for the majority, but yeah. I think that is yeah. No, I it is interesting. It is interesting, like, because uh, I, I would like to hear, even though I would most likely be on not on their side, I would like to, I would be interested to hear what the hunters have to say about what, what, what's, what's the pro on their, their side. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things that changed from our original proposal of the film is that we wanted to get both sides. Yeah. And it just ultimately didn't work, especially with our timetable. We only gave us, we had like, of basically three, three and a half weeks to get this filming done. Um, and it, it is like one of the reasons why it's such an interesting issue is because when you hear either side from that side, you really feel for the wolf watchers who care about the wolves and you feel for the ranchers who see wolves as a threat to their livelihood and to their families. And there is, you genuinely want to care for both. And it, that's why it's such an interesting and like kind of like tough issue to discuss. Okay, so tell me about uh, your interview with uh, Rick because he he sort of the he introduces the audience to this world. Like 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 obviously you have to, when you're making a documentary, you have to pretend that nobody knows anything about what your subject is. So he kind of like tells tells he tells the story. He tells like he tells us what the audience what they need to know. So. How was that interview with him? Because he kind of, you just kind of splice his interview throughout the, the whole film, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, so I think with like within the first, like right after the first week of filming, he said like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do an interview. Sure, he'll, he'll basically do an interview with anybody. That's what he told us. Yeah. Um, and he just said, come to my cabin. We'll do this interview. I think we interviewed him for like two hours. Mm -hmm. um his cabin is filled with posters and drawings and quilts of wolves it's you know it really is like the wolf cave it's amazing and he was in he's an amazing storyteller and he's incredibly emotional when he tells his story so that was a wonderful thing to have access to yeah it was wonderful it was a super long interview which was great um, and the stories, he's like, again, being a great storyteller, but that made it challenging sometimes when the stories were long, we were kind of cutting things. Um, I think at one point, Olivia and I were behind the camera and we had told him like, oh, we don't need chairs. It's fine. Like, we'll be okay. And we're, we were both like cramping as we were like squatting and trying to, you know, get everything set and keep the interview going. But it was really great to interview Rick. He, um, yeah, wonderful guy. Yeah. So yeah, it obviously like uh, there's people who watch that the uh, television show Yellowstone. So there's like there's a there's, there's kind of a, a a mainstream kind of uh, emotion towards you know this film, I guess right right because it's like the hunting and like the kind of world that most Americans don't live, I guess right. Yeah, it's a So we were we were based in what's known as a gate town which is basically these towns that are located right at the entrances, the various entrances to Yellowstone. 
they're usually very, very small. And most of the businesses are either are some guiding business, whether that's ecotourist, hunting, snowmobiling, anything like that. That is, that's part of Yellowstone and that part of the West. They are so dependent on the park for their livelihood yeah. and for the nature around them. So yeah, but there is definitely ranching. I think we drove by a lot of cattle ranches, which was which was very, very true to the show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's because like I said, it's like it's it's still that kind of Western cowboy kind of yeah. world that it still exists, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, in a way, Claire. Yeah. yeah, I think um, I think that's part of the story here is like that's also rapidly changing. It definitely exists, but the culture around the West um, and how we interact with the environment, how we view um, wolves and other animals in the landscape and how people are living on this landscape and populating the landscape rapidly changing um, and has been rapidly changing. So I think that was a really interesting thing to be a witness of and hope, hopefully we help document it a little bit but yeah I think the uh, cowboy culture and everything um, is still alive and well out there definitely you have a stat near the end of the film where it's where like one third of the wolves are like they get captured or killed outside of the the, the park I guess right yeah um, so because of the new hunting regulation it's illegal to shoot a wolf inside the park it's a national mm. park they're protected within the border you do but you know they're wild animals they kind of have a sense of like a border but also they're free to go wherever so yeah. you do have instances of wolves leaving the park for food sometimes they're actually baited out of the park by hunters um so usually because and the regulations keep that one-third statistic from from ever actually getting to that point but because it's unlimited this year um what ended up there's about a hundred there were about 110 120 wolves at the beginning of 2022 and the hunting season lasts from january to march so within that three month period one third of the wolves were killed they were lured outside the park or they wandered or they went hunting outside the park and they were shot and killed or trapped and what do um, they what do they do with the wolves when they they kill them they're trophies. You don't eat a wolf. Yeah, so that's eat. that's the, the point, yeah. right? It's just like an yeah. ego thing. Yeah, essentially. It, so yeah. there's no point to it, except for sport, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, you can get caught of you can go way back to the history of of you know European settlers coming to the United States, where in Europe most of the wolves have been killed and Europe used to have a thriving wolf population and now it's basically non-existent. Yeah. So when they came to the United States, they kind of brought that anti-wolf sentiment with them. So there's some residual, just genuine fear of wolves. And then there's the trophy. It's there's a lot of different reasons why people do it. So I've I've recently read that the Red Riding Hood book to my daughter. So do you think that's part of it? It's like because we're ingrained as a child that the wolves are bad. Yeah. I, I definitely. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we shouldn't read that book anymore then, you know? I, I'm i of the opinion that we shouldn't, or things like the Three Little Pigs. I'm of the opinion that there are much better fairy tales. Claire, I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all about, you know, context and creating that 
space, even with kids, just chatting about kind of what's going on yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. in the right? Yeah. yeah, communication always, right? Because you know the world's not that simple, and um, you know it's not on either side of the wolf debate. You know it's not simple, like Olivia was already mentioning with you know cattle ranchers and um, reasons why people hunt. Like it's not black and white, um, and you know a children's book would paint the wolf issue as black and white. So yeah, yeah maybe it's not the best form of communication in that way. But again, like it is a way to get kids to listen. So. <laughs> No, there's something to that, right? Where it's like you list, you you hear something when you're a child and you take it as truth because that's what you do in your children, right? And then and then it just it just subconsciously is in your brain. Okay, wolves are bad because of a this book I read a long time ago or whatever. You know what I mean? Like in all the Disney movies, the cats are always evil, right? So and the dogs are always good. I'm generalizing, of course, but basically, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, then you, then you grow up and you think, oh, I like dogs better than cats because that's what I got in the movies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There is that, like, you know, like so many things in the world, we try to oversimplify everything. So, and we try to make everything like Claire was saying, black and white and wolves just unfortunately are the ones that always get the short end of the stick. You know, they're predators. They kill people. They kill things they to eat just like we do but you know we don't depict ourselves in the same way so it's all just about the history of it and how you know we rationalize things to ourselves yeah no so you're you're mentioning that um claire kind of like kind of briefly mentioned that like a bigger film or did you want to make a bigger film about this um i think we've chatted about it, yeah. um, right? And we're not, um, we're both in different locations at this point. I'm in Colorado, Olivia's yeah. not, you know, like we're just, yeah. um, and so in the near term, um, that's not like on our schedule, but um, moving forward, I think there is like enough content, there is enough mm-hmm. subject matter there to make um, a longer feature with this. Um, and it's definitely a topic Olivia and I are like excited about. And I think if we were to go back um, to Yellowstone, we have some of those contacts. We we know a little bit more and can be a little bit more efficient. Um, so mm-hmm. I would be excited to work on this project um, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there were so many storylines. Once we got back from Yellowstone and we started editing, there were maybe five different storylines we came up with in different directions this could go. And I think ultimately we could make a feature exploring all of them. It's, there's so many like factors that go into this issue. So I think, yeah, I think hopefully in our lifetime, we would love to make a, another film, a longer one kind of exploring all that. Cause we really fell in love with like all the different ways that this story could go. Yeah, hundred percent. So, what did you guys think about? Uh, we send the audience to you and the audience feedback. What did you guys think about the audience feedback video? It was really interesting to hear because I think it was like one of the first times we had heard people who weren't our professors, weren't our friends, weren't our families, and they they were picking up on things that even I was like, oh. I didn't even like realize we were doing that, but I'm, I love that we did it. And it was incredible to just see what everybody kind of took from it and what resonated with them. I think I, it was really, really amazing to hear. Yeah, I would um, agree. And I also was just happy that 
the passion of the Wolf Watchers came across. I think that's something that um, was echoed by um, a lot of the folks talking about the film. And I, I was just happy with that because I think that's something Olivia and I worked on pretty hard was to um, balance the wolf shots and the interviews and um, also shots of just how hard it is being out there and how cold it is and the mm. wind and the weather. And we were trying to find the right balance with all of that um, without getting too tedious on either end. Um, so I'm glad that, um, the audience did like really connect, um, with the characters. So you guys are in say your different locations. Uh, what do you like, what are you up to now? Are you guys, is documentary film your, your future? What do you guys, what do you guys want to do with your lives? You're relatively young. You got your whole life ahead of you. Um, I shouldn't so say I'm relatively, involved. you guys are very young. You guys are extremely yeah. young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm in Boston. I'm getting my master's degree at Boston University in TV producing and writing. And what I what I would love to do someday is to work in TV, write for TV. And I I don't I don't like to kind of like just just like put myself as just on fiction or just fiction. I think it's all really fun, and I think it's great to work on a multitude of projects and to flex those muscles in in terms of like all the different genres out there so I'd love to work in you know non-fiction tv just as much as I'd love to write for fiction tv gotcha and so storytelling is your thing you want to get into storytelling yes yes when it comes down to it I would love to in no matter what I would love to work in storytelling okay yeah yeah and um I'm pretty similar on the storytelling route. I do graduate in December, a little bit more time left in school, but um, writing is kind of my um, bread and butter, nonfiction, creative writing, um, independent magazine stuff. That's what I've been working on recently and freelancing. So um, I also still really enjoy documentary and it's a really nice way to take a break and work on visuals and kind of apply those writing skills Mm -hmm. to structuring stories in a different way. So moving forward, definitely think writing is going to be the main thing um, and freelancing and writing for magazines. That's the goal. Um, but um, again, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to work on other documentary projects and maybe this one. Who knows? Well, you guys are off to a good start. Uh, this is a nice film. Uh, really interesting. It's like I said, like the, you, you shot parts of the world that many of us have never seen before. And it's an interesting subject, obviously, you know, about the global warming, about kind of like, almost like a divided country. It's kind of like an allegory for, for America in a lot of ways, right? So, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I think you guys are off to, off to a really strong start. So I wish you the best. Hopefully we'll talk again when you guys make your next film. Yeah, thank you. This, I mean, it's been wonderful being a part of this festival. We're incredibly grateful to all the resources we've had access to. And yeah, we, we hope to be a part of it again one day. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel.